0: Welcome to episode 218 of Live Happy Now. I'm your host, Paula Phelps, thanking you for joining us today. What do you think would happen if an extremely shy introvert committed to living as an extrovert for one full year? Well, thanks to Jessica Pan, you're about to find out. Jessica is a freelance writer and author of the book, Sorry I'm Late, I Didn't Want to Come, One Introvert's Year of Saying Yes. She sat down with me to talk about how, with the help of extrovert mentors, she took on a year of non-introvert-friendly challenges and learned some important life-changing lessons. Well, Jessica, welcome to Live Happy Now. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, first off, great title. I love. I mean, the, the, <laughs> the title of this book immediately makes you want to pick it up. So that was a great way to start this the whole process off, I think.
1: Oh, oh thank you. Yeah, I, I love the saying, except I... Am always a little bit late, and now I can't say sorry. I'm late because people assume I'll be saying I did really. Ah, They're
0: gonna air that back to you. Oh yeah, I know. You just didn't want to be here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I did. I did. Yeah.
0: Well, what I found so interesting. There's a lot of things I loved about this. First of all, the read on this. It really reminded me of a like a Nanny Diaries or The Devil Wears Prada. That that's how fun of a read this book is, and. And I think when you hear, oh, it's an introvert and living as an extrovert, I don't think I was prepared for it to be that, that fun, actually.
1: Yeah, I I'd read lots of books about introverts and I felt like they were all very serious and very, yeah, it's a little bit serious. And I decided kind, of, kind of wanted to write something that was more accessible and more about kind of the ridiculousness of putting yourself out there and the people you meet and the awkwardness. So I kind of wanted to make it more fun and not too research heavy.
0: Yeah. And that really came through. But uh, what was impressive, too, at the end, you actually include the research to show, you know, chapter by chapter where this all came from. So it's like, hey, folks, I didn't just make it up. (laughs) It's a real thing.
1: I wanted to sort of spoon feed the research, you know, not like shove it down people's throats. But I definitely everything I do and and write about, I wanted it to be based in research and in psychology studies. So, yeah.
0: Well, now you're actually such an introvert that you even coined the word. Shintrovert for this. Can you explain that? I just stopped reading and and laughed when I read that. So can you explain what that means?
1: So a shintrovert is a shy introvert because I think we sometimes think that all introverts are shy when actually some introverts, you know, just need to recharge alone, but they're not shy at all. But I am both I'm shy and an introvert, as opposed to an outgoing introvert. And I just thought. I'm going to shorten this to shintrovert. And that is the phrase I use throughout the book. I like
0: that. And because you are so shy, and you're introverted. Can you talk about what made you decide that you would live as an extrovert for a year? Because honestly, for most introverts, and particularly a shy introvert, that is just like hell week for 52 weeks. So what made you decide to do that?
1: So I reached this point in my life when things went wrong, as in I became a freelancer and I was working from home, and I realized that I was feeling more lonely. A lot of my friends in London where I live had moved out of the city or they started having kids, and I felt like my career was stagnating. So All these things happened at the same time, and I just realized that nothing was going to change unless I changed. I wasn't going to meet new people or get bigger career opportunities or overcome my anxieties if I didn't do something drastic and so I thought what if I did live like someone else for just one year what could I learn from that what could I gain from that
0: did you have anything in particular that you hoped to get out of it or was it just like let's see where this goes
1: I think I was tired of being really terrified of public speaking and I also have this phobia of talking to strangers and you know I have some social anxiety and I just wanted to see what would happen if like, could I could I overcome these things by doing things like stand up comedy or speaking in front of 900 people or talking to strangers on public transport? I really didn't know if if I could change or or not. And that was that was kind of why I wanted to do this this mass experiment.
0: Well, and the thing about this experiment is you jumped in the deep end of the pool. It's not like you said, hey, I'm going to go put my feet in the water and see how it feels. You just like went all in because to go do, you did things that people who aren't introverts would be scared to do, like stand-up comedy, as you said, throwing a dinner party, doing the solo foreign travel. So what made you just do the go big or go home mentality on this?
1: Well, I figured if I was going to do it, I might as well commit to it. And I wanted to be able to do these things and then come back to other introverts or other people, like you said, other extroverts who might not want to do these things and report back like from the front lines, what I learned, what happened. I didn't want this to be a boring year. I didn't want this to be a, an easy year. And so, like you said, I definitely did these really, really big, scary things like, you know, getting on a plane, not knowing where it was going to land and, and doing up comedy multiple times because I thought it would be useful for other people to learn about
0: as you started it was, was there any one thing that you were most afraid of or were they all equally terrifying or well so
1: i made this list of like the things that i have been scared of and that i should do like talking to strangers the comedy going on friend dates and honestly they were all terrifying because if they were easy none of them would have been on the list so whatever one i was in the middle of doing was the scariest one for me. Though I did think that when I first tried to tackle my fear of public speaking in front of this massive audience that was being recorded, that was one of the hardest challenges because it was the first public speaking event that I'd done. And I had to go meet a speech therapist and it was this massive thing. So I think that was the scariest one for me.
0: Well, and there's some statistic that says people are more afraid of death than they are of public speaking. So, So that was... <laughs> That was, which to, to me was always kind of odd, but I can see being afraid of public speaking, but not more so than death. But, you know, so so for you to go ahead and do it and do it on such a grand scale, I, I mean, that's a huge accomplishment.
1: Oh, thank you. It was uh, It was definitely scary, but I feel like I learned a lot, especially that, you know, I sort of thought if I prepared enough and I met the speech therapist enough that all my anxiety would melt away and I'd be confident I could do it. But what I've since realized is that I can have that anxiety and still succeed at it, and then that confidence comes later after finishing it, which was a really great lesson to learn
0: well, and then the stand-up comedy, because again, now that's like public speaking, except you're really opening yourself up and it's uh, comedy is such a subjective thing. So now you're kind of being judged <laughs> by by engaged by the amount of laughter that you can can draw. So <laughs> what was it about stand-up comedy that? Made you want to go and and do that?
1: I just thought that if I was going to do this this year, if I was gonna, you know, <laughs> go harder go home. Stand up comedy was my Everest, and I think it's most people's Everest. It's very scary. You're on stage. You you are like you said, inviting judgment. You have to make people laugh. You have to sort of interact with them. It felt like my whole year culminated in that, and I just think it was just total curiosity as well as wanting to overcome this fear because. We do only live once. I kind of wanted to know what it was going to be like, what would happen. And there was something really empowering about doing something that I never, ever, ever thought would be possible for me. Like, I never thought I would ever be able to do that. And when I survived it, although sometimes I failed, which is in the book, I failed pretty big (laughs) a few times. And then I a few times I succeeded. I felt so amazing that, you know, that my self-definition had expanded because I'd done this thing that I never thought I could do that other people also think that they can't do. And I found that really just kind of inspiring that we can change. We can face these fears.
0: That I think is one of the things that's so endearing about this book is that you're so honest. It's not like, oh, I'm going to go do this and look, I killed it. You know, you're very honest about how nervous you were a lot of times when you goofed up you know, it's like we get to go every step of that journey with you. So how did you do such a great job of documenting everything that that was happening on your journey?
1: I just took lots of notes. And I wanted to just be really honest about how I felt and how it was scary and things weren't easy. Yeah, I just wanted to be I feel like a book like this, there's no value in it if you're not going to be honest. And so I just wanted to be able to help other people like me. And I think
0: that's what comes through. It's people, you read this book and you kind of get the idea like, okay, I could try that. Maybe not as big as she did, but I can go try this one thing. You know, it's mm-hmm. it really is like, man, if she could do it, I could probably try this as well. Exactly. Yeah. Now, did you have an overall plan going in? Like, I'm going to do this first and then this. Was it like really planned out or was it like, here's this list of things and then I'll kind of willy-nilly choose what I'm going to do next?
1: Well, I knew the first thing I wanted to do was try to talk to strangers because I live in London where that's really not a thing. I know in America, people are much chattier, but here nobody talks to each other on public transport. People do not chat that much. And because of that, I have this massive fear of doing it. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to tackle this first. You know, I got in touch with a few psychologists. I interviewed them and they gave me such amazing advice that I was finally able to, to face my fears, even though that was also horribly embarrassing. So along the way, it was on this first challenge of talking to strangers that I realized I'm going to need like professional help to do these things because I don't know what I'm doing. And that's when I decided to enlist these what I call extrovert mentors, pro- professionals who will help me along the way. And, and that's when I got the psychologist or I had a set of comedian help me and just various people in every challenge guide me.
0: And how did they respond when they found when you went to them and said, hey, this is what I'm doing and I need help? How, how did they respond to you?
1: they were all really happy to help because everyone I contacted was an expert in this field. So the psychologists that I contacted, they studied people talking to strangers. They had research saying that it makes everyone happier when they talk to strangers, including introverts and extroverts. I talked to another psychologist who specializes in social anxiety. So they were like really ready to help me and coach me. The woman I contacted for my stand-up comedy chapter, she was really, she was just really great. Like they were the experts. They knew what to do and they were all really helpful along the way.
0: That's super cool. And you know, I know that you learned so much about yourself from this. You learned a lot about other people. What do you think was the the, the biggest thing that you learned about yourself that you didn't expect to learn?
1: About myself? I think that I could do these things that I never thought was was possible. And I think what really helped achieve them was when, so when I talk about standup comedy. Comedy, which was one of the hardest things I did, I took this intro course with other beginner comedians. And because we were all doing this really scary, daunting task, we all had to bond because we were all terrified. And we all encourage each other. We workshop each other's work. we were so supportive. And I found that I could do this terrifying thing because I all of a sudden had this social network who were all helping each other. And I think that was a really valuable lesson to learn that we can do these scary things, but we usually do need other people to help us along the way. And and another thing I learned that I really love from this year is in the very beginning of the book, I talk about how I'm scared to approach strangers and/or even just like if you if you meet someone new and you're both chatting, I'm scared to be the first one to say, Hey, we grab coffee or we should hang out sometime. Mm-hmm. And I was discussing this with a psychologist, um, Nicholas Epley, and I was saying, Well, I don't know if they want me to invite them to do these things. And he said, You know, nobody waves, but everybody waves back. We're all scared to make the first move. But as soon as somebody does, everybody responds. You know, when you smile at somebody, they smile back. When you wave at somebody, they wave back. But oftentimes we need to be the first one to make that move. And so I carried that sort of thought with me throughout the year when I was scared of rejection that nobody waves, but everybody waves back.
0: Your travel thing was interesting. And let's do full disclosure. This is how I found out about your book and what you had done was through a cousin named Charles Knowlton, who was your travel mentor.
1: Yes. Charles is good friends with my husband. And he, as you know, (laughs) he works for a travel company. He takes people all over the world on these big tours. He is super friendly and charming and extroverted and outgoing And I was going to go travel alone and meet people on the road. And I knew that Charles had to be my mentor. He is an expert at this.
0: (laughs) He had you do something pretty big. Can you, I mean, I, even I was like, man, I I don't know if I could have done that. I've done a lot of travel, but I don't know if I could have done that. Can you kind of talk about what you did in terms of travel?
1: Well, I booked a flight using this company called Surprise Me, where you don't know where you're going to go. So they take care of your accommodation and your flight. And they just say, you know, be at the airport at 6am. And they tell you what weather to pack for. But when you arrive, that's when you find out where you're going. So you could end up anywhere in Europe. I got to the airport, I unlocked the code, and it told me I was going to Budapest, Hungary. And you know, I didn't know anybody there. I don't speak the language, didn't have the currency. And I texted Charles like, what am I gonna do? How can I meet new people? And he basically told me to just go out there and and be outgoing. And he said this thing called, um, he says, make your own weather because Charles (laughs) is this really lucky person and it never seems to rain on him. And all these good things always happen to him when he travels because he's so positive and he always believes the best in people. Whereas I am always negative or cynical or think that people are like out to murder me. (laughs) And, And he told me I had to change my perspective and just be more open. And so I flew to Budapest and I was having dinner alone and there was a woman next to me having dinner alone. And I figured, you know, we could both just stare at our phones or we could have a conversation and have a connection in this foreign country. And we did. and We had a great dinner together.
0: Well, and that was amazing because you ended up turning it into this really rich experience.
1: Well, I think that what's interesting about this book is that, or these challenges, is everybody reacts differently to every challenge. I love to ask the question of what would be the hardest thing for you. People are like, oh, I don't mind public speaking or talking to strangers, but I would never do improv, which I, you know, spend a month doing, or I would Mm -hmm. never do comedy. And yours is the solo travel, which is so fascinating. Yeah, because I've done a lot of
0: travel, but yeah, I got to I'm not doing it alone. (laughs) 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 So that was great. I mean, I think another thing about this book is you you can give people ideas. Like there's all these things, a menu of things that they could choose from. Like, man, if I want to step outside of my comfort zone, here's a great way to do it. And you've basically written the blueprint for how to go about doing this.
1: Oh, that's so nice to hear. Yeah, I wanted people to realize that they didn't have to be brave or they could become brave, you know, by doing one of these things. I'm not a particularly brave person, you know, I'm shy, I'm introverted, but I managed to do these things. So if I could do them, then I do think that other people definitely can at least choose one of these things to to attempt.
0: Well, one thing is it seems to have changed your perception about the world and how safe it is. Because as you said, and I I laughed in the book when you said like, well, I always think people are going to, someone's going to murder me. And because I kind of have that same (laughs) thing going on, like, hmm, that person's looking at me, I bet they have a knife in their pocket. But, (laughs) you know, it, it does seem like throughout the book, like that perception sort of changed. Is that correct?
1: Yes, so I think that obviously I'll always be very attuned to if I feel like I'm in a dangerous situation. I'm not going to talk to strangers in a dark alley at night, anything like that. <laughs> at the same point, I I always felt like say I'm on the the underground in London and everybody is really stony faced and nobody's talking and everybody seems really hostile. I've now realized that is completely in my head. We're all in our own heads. People are going through their own things. They're tired. They're listening to a podcast. They're doing whatever. It doesn't mean that they're hostile. And if you start chatting to someone, they usually smile back. They're friendly as soon as you break that ice. And so throughout the entire year, I just realized that people I met were so much kinder and more understanding and just nicer than I ever thought that they could be. And that was such a wonderful like lesson about humanity to learn when I walk around thinking everybody is hostile. And yeah, you know, like he's like, <laughs> to- they murder me. And as it came to an
0: end, were you sad? Were you relieved? Were you exhausted? I mean, what? How did you feel after twelve months of doing this?
1: I think I felt all of those things, but you know, I made some amazing friends, which was really great because the impetus of this, a, a big one, was that I wanted to make new friends, and I didn't know if that was possible after the age of thirty. Like, if we could make new connections, if people would be open to it, and I made some amazing. I met some amazing new people, which was really wonderful. And they're still in my life. And I was a little bit sad when things like my improv course ended. Like I thought improv was going to be really cringy and awkward. And I thought I was going to hate it. And I was so shocked to realize that actually I loved it. And it was amazing and so creative. And I met the coolest people there. So I was a little bit sad when those things ended. But I feel excited to to just sort of go out in the world and know, know more about myself and know more about other people.
0: And are there any things that you're still doing? Like, are you going to continue doing stand-up, or, you know, are there any extensions, any leftovers that you're going to keep going with?
1: I think that when we're in situations like, say, we're at the airport and there's a really long line or a delay, I would start talking to people around me because it just makes it more enjoyable to all sort of be in that together. Or, you know, if I see someone, they're reading a book that I like. I'll talk to them. I, I think I'm more open to that. I'm a much, much less scared of talking to strangers. That social anxiety aspect has really evaporated. And yeah, I want to pursue like taking more improv classes. That was really fun. I don't know about the stand-up comedy. I have said yes to a few speaking engagements because I just want to, I guess... I guess before this, I was limiting my own career. I was limiting like who I could be by saying no to all of these kinds of things like speaking engagements. And now I'm saying yes to them. And it feels like my world is bigger now. That was
0: Jessica Pan talking to us about what she learned from her year of living as an extrovert. If you'd like to learn more about Jessica and her book, Sorry I'm Late, I Didn't Want to Come, One Introvert's Year of Saying Yes, please visit us at livehappynow.com and we'll tell you where you can learn more about Jessica, what she's doing now, and where to buy her book. We hope you're already a subscriber to Live Happy Now, but if you're not, you can find us on the Pandora Podcast Network, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. Just look for us in your favorite platform, hit subscribe, and you will never miss an episode. That's all we have time for this week. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.